Dear little sisters, I'm Bernice. And I'm Lena. Welcome back to our podcast where we will be chatting with interesting women who do interesting things. We are two teens who want to empower young girls by providing role models for them. We hope that these women will show you that anything you want to do is possible and inspire you to dream big. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast and we truly hope you enjoy this episode. little sisters, we are extremely excited to introduce you to Governor Susana Martinez, who we will be chatting with today. Governor Martinez has been breaking glass ceilings for the past 25 years, as she has been the first female elected district attorney in New Mexico, the first female governor of New Mexico, and the first Latina governor in the United States. She has said, I do not want to be a politician, I want to be a leader. Governor Martinez's leadership has been proven to be lasting through her policies in education, economics, and public safety, which have a bipartisan appeal and have helped millions in New Mexico during her governorship. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you, Lena. Thank you for having me. And also thank you, Bernice. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I was born and raised in El Paso, Texas. Um, my mother was a, a clerk or uh, worked in an office most of her life um, and she, my father was um, a boxer. He was a Golden Gloves champion for three years in the state of Texas. But when he started to have a family, he uh, needed to settle down and um, became a sheriff at the El Paso Sheriff's Department. But I came from a family where both parents had to work. Um, we were living paycheck to paycheck and so it was necessary for both my parents to work and so my sister and I became latchkey kids. I have an older brother, um, he was four years older than me, <coughs> excuse me, and then my sister's two years older than I am and I'm um, currently 61 years old. And so um, as we became latchkey kids, we um, did a lot of things for my mom to help her out so that she didn't have to do things during the weekend, um, even during the summer. My sister is special needs. Um, she's developmentally delayed. So she's about a five-year-old cognitively, um, but she doesn't grow beyond that, but she has gotten older. And so she's lived with me for the last 15 years as I take care of her. I'm her legal guardian. And um, my parents though, thank God, they found it super important to be able to get uh, my brother and I to a uh, an elementary school. Um, it was a Catholic school. It was a school that they pinched pennies for and made sure that we could both attend that school until I begged and begged to let me go to the brand new junior high school. And so I did. I went from Catholic school to junior high and that was a big change. But I, my parents always said that I had to stand for something and that I, I needed to make education my absolute priority. And so I went on to college at UTEP, the University of Texas at El Paso. And then I went on to law school at the University of Oklahoma in Norman, Oklahoma. And then I moved on to Las Cruces, New Mexico, where I made my home. Um, I was a prosecutor. That was my first job. And that was uh, working with children who have been molested who have been hurt by people that love them, um, even child homicide cases. I 
was someone who specialized in those cases for 25 years. Um, it was it was work that was um, amazing in the sense of being a voice for these little ones um, in the courtroom. And I knew I wanted to be governor one day. Um, politics was in my blood. I enjoyed it since I was in uh, high school. And I then decided at the age of 50, I was either gonna buy me a sports car or I was going to um, run for governor. And so uh, on my birthday, I announced that I was going to run for governor of the state of New Mexico. And keep in mind, it was not easy in New Mexico because at that time I was a Republican. And um, most of New Mexico is a strong Democratic state. And then I was elected um, and I was reelected. And so I finished eight years as the governor, um, certainly keeping in mind the very statement that you said at the beginning is I didn't want to be a politician. A lot of people have a lot of uh, different thoughts about politicians. I wanted to be a leader, but I also wanted to keep my word of all the promises that I made. And so I, I remembered them at all times and I checked them off as we were accomplishing them. Wow, those are great values to have, especially family values. I feel that we share those values as well. And it is so impressive that you have been able to show success in many ways in your career from working your way up to the top and also your commendable dedication to your family. That is truly something to admire. Well, you know, it's when my mother passed away, the, we didn't have to, we didn't have to have a conversation about who was gonna take care of my sister. <clears throat> it was just always known since I was 14 that I would take care of her. And my, uh, if anything happened to my dad, my brother would take care of him. And so the day that my mom passed, my sister came to live with me, um, who gives me, as I was growing up, kept me really grounded um, because I was a, a volunteer in a lot of areas with Special Olympics. And so to watch those kiddos compete, to watch that winning wasn't always their priority, but making sure that they were all involved, um, you learn a lot from those kiddos. And uh, I really enjoyed it when I spent time with my sister and the Special Olympic teams. And I said, because I don't see any, any mentors or anyone in positions of uh, politics, there aren't very many women. I mean, there were hardly any women uh, in politics. And she goes, no. She goes, but why, don't, why wouldn't you want to move up to be, you know, run for governor or run for president? And I said, because I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know how to do that. And she opened my mind into believing that I could be whatever I wanted to be if I focused. And it didn't matter if I was going to be the first one or not. Um, or if I was following someone else who had broken a glass ceiling before me, um, because I really enjoyed it. And so when I announced 16 months worth of traveling New Mexico, and that was a lot of time because there were a lot of small communities in the state, many of them Democrats, and I wanted to meet them. I wanted to know them. I wanted them to hear what I had to offer. Um, I wanted to hopefully gain their support. And I couldn't have won without Democrats voting for me as well as Republicans. And so that was the most fun is meeting all of those folks 
and really having some good conversations and then making my commitment to them on how I was going to work for them. And then of course, being elected, I had to make sure that I was keeping my promises. And I'd go back to those cities over and over again and show them how we were accomplishing things, but we were doing it with Democrats and Republicans at the same time. Because otherwise, if I relied just on the Republicans, we can't get anything done. We're not, there aren't enough Republicans in my state. So I had to do it in a bipartisan way. Um, that's to me is very enjoyable is, is to have that debate and conversation and how can we work together and how can we make this happen for the people we serve, not for ourselves, but for the people we serve. It definitely seems like your upbringing and your childhood experiences have been leading you to your calling and to become governor of New Mexico. And it is really interesting how you, as a woman who has broken so many glass ceilings, were a little hesitant in the beginning because there wasn't too many women in politics and in government. Um, so you had to be the first and now you're leading girls of our generation to follow their dreams. That is so empowering for young girls like us. You know what I think is so important is we sometimes hold ourselves back because we say um, that's impossible. I, I, I don't have the money for college or I don't have the money for law school. Well, I didn't either. I didn't have money for college. I was on a BEOG grant. Um, and that was somebody you know who could get money because I didn't have a high enough income in my household. Um, we cannot accept that something's impossible because there isn't enough money. There are many ways of being able to get your degree or your profession going forward. Um, but you have to have the commitment within yourself first to say, this isn't gonna stop me just because right now I don't have that money. I will figure a way out. I had to go to bookstores and read books to tell me how do I apply to a college. I mean, that was a long time ago. Uh, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have all the neat tools that are available at our fingertips now. And so even to law school, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to apply. And it was the first time I moved away from home. Um, it was hard. It was very, very hard for me. Um, but every day that I walked in, you know, I said, this is one more day, one more day that I'm going to get through this day in law school and I will come back again tomorrow because at the end of the day, I was going to do uh, fulfill my dreams. And, and that was important to me as a person, um, uh, to be a prosecutor, to be a governor, um, to now be in on several nonprofit boards on education to make sure that kiddos are following their dreams, knowing that education is the way to get there. Your hard work and perseverance definitely has transcended a lot of barriers. And I think that's a great lesson for young girls to pick up on and to follow. You know, because you do, I mean, I'll tell you, there were times in law school I wanted to quit. Um, it was just, it would have been easier just to quit. Um, but I, I, I just got determined. I remember in junior high, um, I, I got out of uh, private school, not private school, Catholic school, and then I went into public school. I was a couple of years ahead of all the other students. And when I realized I was ahead a couple of years, I was, you know, playing chess with a teacher at the front of her desk, you know, because I, I knew all the answers at that point. 
And so I started hanging around friends that maybe weren't the best for me. Um, I didn't realize it at the time. And finally, it just got to the point that I said, you know, it's too much trouble to be in trouble and decided I might as well just um, straighten up, um, remember what I want to do in life and, and just get to it. I think it's so inspirational that you were able to overcome such difficult barriers in your personal journey and I'm sure it will inspire so many others to do the same. Kind of on a different note, what was your first experience in public service? Well, um, my first experience in public service was um, I was an assistant district attorney. Um, that was my first job as um, um, actually getting paid as an assistant district attorney. I had gone to school by then, keep in mind, 20 years and graduated from law school. And I thought, I know what it is to be a lawyer. And the first two weeks that I was a lawyer, I had three little children in my office that they had brought to me and said, figure out if they're telling the truth or not. And I said, about what? And they said, they've been abused by many people in their family. And they were four, five, and six. I said, I'm, I, I don't know how to do this. I may have gone to law school, I may have gone to college, but that doesn't teach you how to do this. Um, and so I had graham crackers and hot tea in my office and that's all I had to offer these little ones because I didn't want to further traumatize them. And so I realized at that point that I had to really get back into the specialization of children and how to speak to children about these very hurtful and painful um, experiences. Um, but that was my very first job, my very first two weeks. Um, but I, I knew that if I didn't speak for them, a lot of people didn't want to handle those cases and they're kind of tough. Um, you have a family at home sometimes and um, it's tough to go home and bring your work home and still have that on your mind. Um, but that was a public service job that I thoroughly, absolutely enjoyed. Um, because those, those kiddos, um, they're now probably, you know, I don't know, some of them are 30 years old. Um, and I will bump into them and we will, we, we know each other. Um, and I just hope that I brought justice to them. So that was my first job. And then I got elected as district attorney when my boss fired me. I had a boss who fired me because I supported my, the boss that hired me. Um, and since he lost, he was determined to let me go. But I had another employee who had gotten fired as well. And he asked me to be a witness and he gave me a subpoena. And I said, yes, of course, I'll tell the truth. And I showed it to my new boss and he fired me. So I said, okay, I'm going to run against you then. And I beat him and I beat him by a landslide. And then I was in office for 14 years after that. Uh, actually as the elected person, I was the first female. Um, there were three of us at the same time that got elected in New Mexico and we were the firsts. Never gave it a second thought. I knew I had to prove myself. I knew it was gonna be hard, um, but it didn't matter that I had to work twice as hard. I was going to prove myself. Wow, I think that's such an important message. I mean, your experiences and the people you interact with definitely seem like they have shaped your career and your passions. And I love how you stuck to your guns and really always stuck to what you believed was right. And you beat him. I mean, that's always the best. <laughs> um, 
What advice would you give to a young girl who is interested in government? How can they get started? You know, um, it depends on what what piece of government you want to be in. Um, sometimes people start out at like school boards. Outrageously important. A school board is so important. And some people think, oh, it's just you know the school board. Oh no. Uh, a lot of policies are developed by those very individuals, those six, seven, eight, nine, however they may be. They develop the actual policies that their school districts are going to follow. And so I hope that people who are listening, the ladies that are listening, the sisters that are listening will say, you know, that is a really important job as well. City council is important. County commissioners, you know, get started by being informed about what's happening in the world around you. Not just in your community, but where are they doing it different and maybe better? I am great at stealing great ideas. I don't need to reinvent wheels. Um, if it's somebody else's great idea in a different state, and I wanted to bring it to my state, either, whether it's a district attorney or as governor, I would, and I would say, give them kudos and saying, this is where I picked it up. And now we're gonna put it in our system and I'll prove to you and show you and explain to you why we're doing this because it's working so well over there. Um, so I, I really thought, think that taking government classes, knowing our history, understanding how the systems work, because every system works different from school boards and how you get elected, all the way to city council, all the way to um, the legislature, how that works, how running for governor works, different in all states um, because they get to make those rules themselves. And so but you have to educate yourself. The two things that you have to do is one, you have to show up and two, you have to be prepared. You can't just show up and say, oh, hey, can I, and I'd like to be a candidate to run for something or work for someone who's in government. You don't have to be the one who gets elected or gets appointed. You can be the person who's actually, you know, the boots on the ground and work in it. But make sure that you're prepared, that you read all that you can, that you understand the role of that position, and then do it to the absolute best of any possibility. Wow, those are steps that someone like me, a 14-year-old girl, can take to get my feet wet in government. And I mean, it's absolutely right. History has definitely shaped us and it will shape the future and i'll definitely start reading the news from now on yeah. so I and see get, both sides. get both sides because there's a lot of noise out there but get both sides and then figure it out for yourself i think that's really insightful so i see that you have a real passion for education what has education done for you personally have you seen changes and increased educational opportunities for girls throughout your career yes um education is everything it is everything i have always said um if we don't have a good educational system we're passing students along from one grade to another when they're not prepared and what happens then well, I was the head of a department and as a prosecutor, the juvenile justice department. And we had juveniles who were 14, 15, 16, 17, who couldn't read. I mean, they couldn't read a document. They, they couldn't, um, and, and it bothered me so much that they were getting in trouble. They, they weren't doing well in school. They had dropped out. They had uh, on their own with not any parental uh, agreement. 
And so I started this little school in my office where those kiddos that were committing delinquent acts had to come to school or else I would charge them with the type of crime they committed. And keep in mind, these were nonviolent crimes. And so I had them come to my school. And if they didn't come to that little school, we would have a probation officer in my office, go pick them up, get them out of bed and bring them to the school and make sure that they were learning to read the basics. You learn to read from kindergarten to the third grade. And then from the fourth grade to the rest of your life, you learn, you're, you're actually reading to learn. So you never stop learning. Remember the story I told you about when I graduated from, from law school? I thought I knew it all. I didn't know anything about being a lawyer. I knew how to think like one. And they tell you, they'll teach you how to be on either side of the courtroom and argue either side and debate your issues. But I didn't know how to do the actual interviewing of witnesses, little kids, the language that I needed to use. How did I make them comfortable? How did I make this not traumatic for them because they're now in a, involved in a criminal justice system? So I learned every single day from every child, from the adults around me, my mentors that were in my office with me. Um, you, can, you cannot ever stop learning. Um, and that's one thing that I hope 14 year olds, I was a 14 year old. That was when I learned I could do anything I put my mind to. And that was because of two very special teachers. And so at 14, I knew a few seconds of making a mistake changed my life very quickly. And I needed to stay on a good path and focus on where I wanted to end up. I think that story resonates with so many 14 year olds and teenagers right now. Um, for me, it's interesting. I think my grandmothers have instilled this value of education in me and it's so interesting because they didn't have the opportunity to go to college but they are the ones who have instilled this value of education in me the most and i think this has really this has really shown me personally the importance of it and how important it is to be educated especially as a young girl um it you know if you start to fall behind in school you're always catching up. And so, yeah, I get it. Sometimes homework is a pain and sometimes you want to rather go hang out with your friends at the mall or do whatever it is you want to do. I mean, things need to get done. There's plenty of time and room for all of that at the same time. It's just you, when you're doing your work at school or homework at home, get it done and get it done right. Why would you want to do something halfway? Why not do it right? Get the best grades you can get and then move on with the fun stuff. But education, my parents didn't go to college. Neither of them did. Um, my brother was the first in my family, of course, to, he went to college at University of Texas at Austin. Um, I wanted to, that was just a definitive thing I was going to do. And law school was the next definitive thing I was going to do. Those were in my plans after meeting with our teachers and saying, this is where I'm going. And I couldn't screw it up. I had to make sure to get it right. I could not mess that up. That's such an important message. And I think it definitely resonates with me too. Um, building off what Lena said, education is so important. And I think it's also really important that everyone has equal access to education 
personally, I go to a STEM school and at my school, there's a higher, like a two to one ratio between boys and girls. So there was definitely a social barrier where girls weren't being driven into these fields in science and technology at the same rate as boys. And I think it's really important that everyone has equal access to these opportunities. Absolutely. Um, and think about it. I was, I was 14 a long time ago and I was really, I was, I was a straight A student. I did very well, but they didn't, I didn't have STEM. They didn't have those special courses for me. Um, you just got into English one, two, three, four, and English four was your senior year. Um, and the, there weren't young ladies that were being pushed into the STEM programs if there were in other schools. You have to push friends, you have to push your, your sisters um, and say, we can get into this class, we can do it together, we can work it together so that we make sure we understand it. Um, but we have got to have just as many uh, women in those fields as we do men. Um, we're not incapable. We are very capable. You just have to set your mind to it. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for part two of the interview with Governor Susana Martinez, which will be aired soon. Thank you.